You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. Welcome to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. I'm your host, Kev. You can follow me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore goat. With me tonight is my co-host Matt, who you can follow on Twitter at MattFFDynasty. Matt, good evening. Evening, Kev, you alright? I'm very good, thank you. Have you been doing much modelling this weekend? <laughs> no, no modelling. Been working, I work outside, so the weather's turned over here and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty cold. <laughs> I'm sat next to the radiator trying to warm up a bit. Oh, nice one. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good myself. I'm... Uh, I've had bangers and mash for my tea. Um, for for the non-UK listeners on this show, that's uh, sausage and mashed potatoes. So <laughs> feeling pretty happy myself. Love a bit of sausage. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of loving sausage, Rich is not with us today. He's uh, he's won twenty dollars from his fifty dollars stake on DraftKings at the weekend, so he's decided to do some online shopping instead, as he thinks he's actually gained profit from what he uh, what he put on. Um, so never mind, we'll, we'll catch up with him next week. I'm sure I'll be back uh, after he's done all his shopping. Um, so we'll get straight on with the show today. We're going to recap week nine and highlight some of the players from each game that stood out to us. Uh, first up, we've got the Packers at the 49ers. Yeah, so the Packers were now 34-17 winners over the San Francisco 49ers. Um, yeah, it was an absolute demolition job, wasn't it, by uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I knew that, uh, obviously, the 49ers were missing a lot of the wide receivers for, thanks to uh, COVID. Uh, but, yeah, as I say, it was uh, pretty easy work for the Packers. They were 21-3 to 3 up at the half. And, uh, yeah, there was no real pressure on them uh, for the rest of the game. Richard James, though, for the 49ers, he had, ended up having a career day with uh, nine receptions for 184 yards and a touchdown. So. Yeah. I was quite surprised. Um, but yeah, the one guy that I'm uh, I'm looking to talk about tonight is Devontae Adams for the Green Bay Packers. Nice. Obviously, if we know he's been an absolute beast since coming back from his injury. Another big game last night uh, on the weekend. 12 targets, 10 receptions, 173 yards and a touchdown. So that's now 422 yards and six touchdowns in his last three wow. games. So Impressive. That. Yeah, he's absolutely balling out. Uh, it is worth noting that they were against three slightly weak pass defences, I'd say, but he's still absolutely crushing it, isn't he? So he is, yeah. He's uh, looking very good. Currently wide receiver two, and that, as I say, that's despite missing those two games with injury, and he's had his bye week as well. Uh, he leads the league in red zone targets with 16. So what more can you say? He's just getting absolutely peppered uh, by Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Uh, no other options in Green Bay, so it's not really a surprise, is it, that he's, uh, he's no. getting all his targets. 13, 13 a game is averaging now, so plenty of, plenty of work. It, it, his schedule does get a bit harder now, going on, going on for the rest of the season. Um, obviously, he's got the Jags this weekend, which should be quite comfortable, but after that, it's uh, looking a bit more dicey. So, I just wanted to to see what your feelings is with the... Uh, Adams, what what are you doing with him in your in your dynasty rosters? Obviously, we know he's he's not young. He's twenty seven, by no means old, but also by no means young. Rogers, we know isn't getting any younger as well. We're not sure how long he's got left with the Packers. Obviously, with them drafting Love, uh, so yeah, is it is it time to sell now while he's he's looking dominant, or are you, are you wanting to keep hold of him? 
I think for me, it all depends on what your thoughts are on Aaron Rodgers, if you think he'll be there long-term. Um, I know there's a, a common con- uh, misconception, I guess, in, in the fantasy community where a player gets to their age apex at 26, 27, and then people don't want to know. Um, I was able to get a guy like Keenan Allen quite in quite a few places because he's past that age apex. And uh, also, yeah. we saw with a guy like Nuke Hopkins, he's... His value sort of dipped in the off season, but that's obviously gone back up now with with the performance he's had. Um, I think for me, before the year, I thought Rogers would do one season and then be gone. I went with him drafting Jordan Love, but I think he might stay around longer. So I'd be pretty comfortable keeping uh, Devonte Adams and sort of riding it out, seeing where it takes me. I think he's got a good few years left in him. Um, He's a clear, clear alpha on his team, uh, and obviously tied to Aaron Rodgers, who's future Hall of Famer. I think he's uh, it's only it's only good for his value. It's it's very it's very safe, I would yeah. say. Um, it, the the caveat is if you do believe that Rodgers will go, then yeah, now is the time to sell because Jordan Love's pretty horrific. Uh, what what are your thoughts on Adams? Yeah, I think I'm like you. Obviously, if if you're a contender, there's no way you're you're thinking about selling him. You you wanting to carry on riding Adams, but uh, it's it's just quite similar, I think, to what Michael Thomas was because obviously he dominated yeah. last year, and he's also tied to an aging quarterback with Breeze. So that's just something that that plays on my mind a little bit with, uh, as you say, with Rogers. But yeah, I think unless you were getting a, a real nice offer for Adams, I think I'd just be I'd be holding on and and just riding him all the way. Yeah, unless you're a you're a rebuilding team and you can get a lot of assets yeah, for him, then it's, it for sure, yeah. it's worth the uh, moving him on at a, 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 what probably will be his, his best price um, yeah. before the next few years. Um, so, yeah, next up we've got the Texans at the Jaguars. Uh, the Texans won 27-25. to 25. A really spirited effort by rookie Jags QB, Jake Lutton. Um, a couple of touchdowns on the day. Uh, it was also nice to see DJ Jack come out of retirement on a big fantasy <laughs> week. Um, but the guy I'm highlighting is a wide receiver from the other side of the ball. Um, a guy that all three of us on this on this pod, we really like this guy, uh, Will Fuller. Um, he's quietly been the, the wide receiver 14 on the year. Um, six straight games with touchdowns. He's uh, previously been known as a boom-bust player, but he's now turned into a, an extremely consistent guy with... Uh, 12-point floor, um, 24-point ceiling as such. So, some that's been a lot safer, surprisingly. Um, the, the only game he's, he's not performed is the Baltimore game where he, he, he was injured and he, he failed to score any fantasy points in that game, despite playing almost two-thirds of the snaps. Um, it's, it's his first healthy season. He's missed 22 games over the last four years before this season. Um, but I guess things to consider with Fuller is... In 2021, there'll likely be a new coach with the Texans rebuilding. I, I doubt they'll keep on. I believe it is it Romeo Crennel uh, who's, who's currently looking after him at the moment. And another thing to consider is he's out. He's out of contract after the season. Uh, there was strong rumours that he was almost moved at the trade deadline to the Packers. Um, now, as a fuller owner, I can't think of anything worse than him moving teams. Um, I mean, he's tied to Deshaun Watson, who's a fantastic QB, and any QB, any wide receiver that moves teams, you'd have a bit of pause to to hope that they're in a good spot with a good QB and, and a system. 
Um, I, I guess my question is, with, uh, with Fuller having this previous injury history and there's a strong possibility he's going to leave the Texans in free agency, is this a time to call the Will Fuller fade route? Would you look to sell him in Dynasty? Yeah, I, it's a tricky one for me it's because I'm a big believer in, in Fuller's talent, as you know, with, with We've all spoke about on this podcast before how much we like him, but as you say, the, the injuries are always a, a, in the, playing in the back of your mind when, whenever you've got him on your rosters, you're always thinking, is this going to be the week where something bad happens, he goes down or whatever, a hamstring injury that he's, he's prone to get. Um, yeah, I think I would be probably looking to move him, especially as we always say, if you're rebuilding, I think now's going to be a great time to, to move him on. But yeah, I'm, I think... Yeah, I'm moving him on. Just, I'd, I'd rather edge my bets, I think, and, and play safe and, and move him on while he's in that form. Uh, that we don't know he's gonna he's gonna be in that form ever again. As you say, if he moves yeah. teams, we always go back to the old um, Odell Beckham when he went to the Browns. Of course, yeah. It's, it's always tough to uh, when you're moving teams and you, you don't know how it's gonna play out. And as you say, he's in that he's in that ideal spot at the minute with Watson. So I think this year is definitely the year that. If you if you if you are concerned about those injuries or where he's going to land, I'd be moving him for sure. Yeah, I think for, for me on this one, it's kind of a head versus heart scenario. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, definitely. As, as a guy, I think he's a fantastic player. He's, he's really exciting to watch. Um, previous seasons, the, the boom weeks have been amazing. Uh, the bus weeks have been soul destroying. But I guess the the logic behind it is he's coming to um, he's coming to a point in his career where he could end up on a on a bad team with a a, a, a lot worse QB. Mm-hmm. He's had the injury issues in the past, obviously a ton of hamstring issues, and he's a he, he's a he's a speed wide receiver, um, which obviously is affected by his hamstrings. So I guess yeah, I would be looking to move him on um, because. Just based on it, I, it's going to be tricky for him to be consistent and hold this price, especially if he moves teams in the off-season. Yeah, I've also got a bit of a, not a concern as much, but it's worth noting that Brandon Cooks is getting a lot more involved as well. He's, uh, in the last four games, I think he's averaging around 10 targets a game. So he's, he's definitely eating into that, that workload of you'd, you'd be hoping that, that Fuller would get. So... That's just a slight concern, and obviously Fuller's getting a touchdown every game as well. I think he's had he's had six on yeah the six on the balance. So yeah, obviously I'm not going to say if we take those out is is so and so because obviously <laughs> he's got those touchdowns. Yeah, but it's uh, it's just always worth taking that into consideration. I think. Yeah, Brandon Cooks. He's I think he's been a top ten wide receiver over the last four weeks. Might maybe even yeah. higher. Um, and. I, I believe they're, they're more invested in Cooks. I think he's got a, a deal over a couple of years, even though it has got an out in it after this season. Um, you, the, the invested more initially, I believe, so he's likely going to stay around for longer than Fuller. Certainly, if Fuller goes, then obviously Cooks has got the potential of getting even more work. Yeah, so. definitely. That's interesting. Good stuff. So next up, we've got the well. It's funny this. You've got the Giants skin as the, as the Giants fan. Yeah, <laughs> got the Giants at the red, at the uh, Washington team. Yeah, actually, this week I'm uh, I'm quite glad because we've finally won the game. So <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we we love playing uh, Washington. I think 
I saw a stat that Daniel Jones has won four times against uh, Washington, once against any other NFL team. So, <laughs> wow, <laughs> impressive. But yeah, uh, Giants they were they were up twenty three uh, twenty to three. Uh, it was looking cosy, wasn't it? And then yeah. uh, typical Giants fashion, we we we, we uh, risk throwing it all away. But the game was quite quite badly overshadowed, weren't it, by that injury to Kyle Allen with the. Mm. Uh, Another yeah. leg injury with the Washington football team. Yeah, quite quite spooky, wasn't it? That then Alex Smith obviously had to, to come on after that. Yeah, missing such an injury, coming back himself. Uh, yeah, it, it were it was definitely an interesting one. But yeah, he did, Alex Smith looked quite good when he come back. He put up a bit of a fight back. Obviously, struggled with the interceptions, and he threw that late interception that that uh, put an end to any any chance of them taking the victory. Terry McLaurin looks great again uh, this week. I think he's definitely uh, putting himself in that wide receiver one discussion definitely. in Dynasty. Uh, but the, the guy I want to talk about is a, a bit of a fan favourite of mine, Antonio Gibson. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I, I wrote a, a thread recently on, uh, on Gibson. I'm, I'm, just, I'm so excited about uh, Gibson and, and the potential that he's got. Um, had quite a, a quiet game this week. He, he had that fumble on his first carry, which which looked like it could spell disaster, but he managed to save it with a touchdown. The only issue, and it's becoming a real pain, is that J.D. McKissick is taking oh, all, the, yeah. all the receiving work. And it's it's frustrating because we know how good um, Gibson is, obviously, when he was at Memphis. He played wide receiver. He had 44 receptions, 334 yards and 10 touchdowns during his time with Memphis. So we know he can catch the ball. It's just becoming so frustrating seeing, seeing Washington drag him out of the game when when they're in that negative game script and uh, not letting Gibson show what he can do with uh, with those catches. Uh, the silver lining for Gibson is obviously that he has become now that goal line that goal line back. Barber obviously had it in week one, but since then Gibson's he's been he's been yeah. taking the the lion's share of the carries. Uh, but he's got a great schedule coming up as well. He's got, he's got Detroit this weekend, and then we've got the Bengals and the Dallas Cowboys, who we know they've all struggled against the run uh, this season. So, considering how the other rookie running backs have struggled, have you moved him at all in your rookie rankings amongst the, the running backs? And is this somebody that you'd be you'd be targeting? Yeah, I've I've moved up a little bit actually. He was my running back six before the season. Um, I've moved him a slight bump up to running back five above Cam Akers. Yeah. Um, really big fan of Antonio Gibson. Um, you, you you made a great point about him playing wide receiver in mm. in college at Memphis. I think obviously with this uh, disrupted disrupted off season and um, no training camp and preseason games, I think it's been really tricky for rookies uh, in general. But for a rookie that's changing positions as well, I think we've got to potentially give him a bit more time before we yeah, can make a. Sure full assessment and see exactly what he he can become and he, he has flashed hasn't he he's got five touchdowns on the year and he's been involved as as a runner and a receiver so he's someone I'd be looking to go after in Dynasty I think um, I'd happily pay a, a sort of a mid to late first for him as well just thinking yeah. about the upcoming rookie class um, but yeah I'd have him as my running back five I, I try not to move Rookies too much based yeah, on soon, soon, too soon. Sort of based on it being half a season in, and also trying to give a little bit more leeway because 
it is a really, really tricky time for rookies to come in and be an impact straight away, even at a position like running back, which is notorious for um, early production. Yeah. So just to touch on a point, you say you would trade for him. Is there anybody that you could maybe, is there a player that you'd, you'd compare him value-wise that you'd maybe switch straight up for Antonio Gibson? Um, it's a good question. I think if I had Cam Akers and I could do it, then obviously that would make sense. But in terms of a veteran guy, um, I think it's guys like your, your Nick Chubbs, your, your Joe Mixons that I'd be I'd be willing to do. Uh, straight up for, for Gibson? Yeah, I believe so. Just because I think Gibson's... He's, He's got a higher ceiling for me than those guys. I know Mixon's flashed it a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, for me, I want a free down running back where possible. Um, I I just think with Mixon, he has flashed it a little bit, and I do I do get that there is that potential. He's trending towards receiving more passing work, which was one of my big concerns yeah. for him. But um, I think if you take that one big game out, which obviously is. It's really hard to say if you take out this game or this amount of touchdowns. Yeah. It, you can do that with any player, but yeah. if you take out that one big game of Mixon's, it's, it's been like a, an RB3 like yeah. pretty much the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. So um, I just think there's a lot of potential with Gibson. I'd be willing to pay up for him. Yeah. Good, good. So next up, we've got the Ravens at the Colts. Uh, the Ravens came out victorious on this one, 24-10. Uh, uh, an early touchdown by Jonathan Taylor was cancelled out by his fumble, which was then returned for <laughs> a defensive touchdown. Um, Don't get me started. It's, it's pretty funny, actually. I was having a conversation on Sunday to acquire Jonathan Taylor, potentially, and the, the guy I was talking to, he uh, as soon as he scored the touchdown, he's like, oh, his, his price has gone up. <laughs> and then, obviously, he had the fumble, which returned. I'm like, well, his price has gone down again now. So... Um, it was that's just our fantasy is where it, things can change in a moment in terms of values. Yeah. Um, other than that, it was a pretty lacklustre game from a fantasy outlook. Um, the, the guy I want to discuss more is someone who's who's had a pretty lacklustre start to his career, to be honest. Um, Michael Pittman. Um, it, it was the best game of his rookie season so far on Sunday, uh, four fifty-six, which was nine point five six fantasy points. Um, it's been really tricky for Pittman this season. Obviously, there's been injuries to uh, both Paris Campbell and T.Y. Hilton, which some would see as a positive because of the volume. But there's also the flip side that it's maybe a hindrance, the fact that we've not got to see a full um, array of weapons in this offense to see sort of what his role is and that he's getting nice, uh, nice easy coverage as well. There is concerns with his QB outlook as well, with Rivers only signed for this season. And they've got the rookie, Jake Beeson, in the background. There wasn't a highly touted or regarded prospect. I think the short off-season and the injuries, uh, the injury that Pittman's had has, has hurt. It's been really tricky to see a true performance. And being on uh, Twitter and social media, I've not heard anyone talking about Michael Pittman at all. Um, I know I'm pretty high on him. I, I took him relatively early in round two in one rookie draft. Um, now, with him being cheaper than before the season, probably like a round three value, is he someone you'd be looking to go after as a buy low or are you sort of out on Pittman for the lack of, uh, of a good start in the NFL? 
Yeah, I think, as you mentioned, I think this is probably one of your best times to, to pick him up. Uh, as, you, as you touched on, it, there's obviously not a lot of competition in that depth chart behind T.Y. Hilton's obviously the, the top guy, and then there's Paris Campbell. But beyond that, talking Zach Pascal, and then just a load of nobody's pretty much so. <laughs> His outlook does look good going going beyond this season. Obviously, Hilton's getting up there in age. As we say, Campbell's he's struggling with injuries. His, his rookie season, obviously, this season as well. Uh, just to touch on that, I am a big fan of Paris Campbell as well. So yeah, I do I, I, I do like both of these players in this offense. But as you mentioned, the one the one thing that would make me slightly cautious is Rivers being the quarterback. He's not looked particularly impressive no. this season. I wouldn't say he's had a couple of couple of good games, but beyond that, he's, he's not looked great. And we don't know how it's going to play out uh, beyond this season when it comes to quarterbacks. So yes. that is a slight concern. But if you can get him, you mentioned uh, if you can get a late second, mid-second, I'd be happy to pay that. Um, yeah, I was also hiring him like, like you during the off-season. I think I had him mid-second, I'd have probably taken him in, yeah. in, yeah. in rookie drafts. Uh, but I'd have no issue when, when people were taking him at the top of that second. So if you can get him for less than, than what those guys have paid for him, then yeah, I'd definitely take a shot on Pittman. I, I think one thing to sort of highlight to um, the listeners about that dynasty is that sophomore players, guys going into the second season, uh, they tend to be the guys that are good to target as by lows if they've not mm-hmm. performed, um, especially. Um, given the the current context of how this off season has been, I think we'll see a lot more players, a lot more rookies that maybe have had an average to disappointing rookie season that then really come out and show what they can do in year two. So that's always one to just keep an eye out for as well. Yeah. Right. Next up, we've got the Bears at the Titans. Uh, what stood out for you in this one, Matt? Yeah. So the Titans winning this one, twenty-four to seventeen. Uh, Bit of a bit of a dull game for me, really. I don't. There wasn't that much going on, was there? The Bears couldn't get anything going until that fourth quarter. They were, the Falls were struggling. They couldn't get the run game going. It was just, it was all all the Titans, and it only really got a bit interesting towards the end. But even then, Falls couldn't get couldn't get the win. So, the guy that I want to highlight from this one is AJ Brown. Nice. Another game, another touchdown for yeah. AJ Brown. That's now six in his last five games since he came back from the injury. Um, and since he returned, week five is uh, third in fantasy points per game on average with 15.6. So he's looking to be everything that we hoped he would be after his, his impressive rookie season. I think there were people starting to get concerned at, at the start, obviously, with that injury and uh, the slow start. People were starting to panic, but he's just come back, hasn't missed a beat. Uh, the touchdown rate is obviously not going to be sustain- sustainable, getting six touchdowns in, in five games every every five games. But um, <clears throat> sorry, uh, still had two games over 100 yards, so he's he's, he's performing in his yardage. It's not all down to the touchdowns. Uh, so where does he rank for you now in the 2019 wide receiver class? Is is he is he much behind the likes of DK Metcalf for you now? I think first of all, I just go back to what he said about this being a, a pretty boring game. Um, 
if 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 Rich was here and he was looking at this game, he'd be kicking a fuss about the show sheet, wouldn't he? About how he's got another boring game. Um, I've taken this one. <laughs> just, just to let you know, Matt did do the sheet this week, so <laughs> I've not fixed it. I promise. <laughs> um, in terms of AJ Brown, though, I think I've tended to fade him a little bit. Um, just based on the fact that in his rookie season he had these ridiculous long touchdowns, mm. which I, I felt were uh, were not a true reflection of his game. Obviously, he's, he's showing he's showing out this season again that he's fantastic after the catch. Um, I just worry looking at some of his numbers that he's getting these. He's got six touchdowns in five games, and that's off the back of I'm just totaling up now like 26 receptions, which. I just I can't see that pace lasting long term. Um, I think I I probably have him as my wide receiver two out of that class between DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin. Um, I do think AJ Brown, if the situation gets better in terms of volume, the sky's the limit. I think the talent is fantastic. It's just more for me a case of that that sort of offense. He's not going to get a ton of volume. We've seen he's, he's great with the ball in hand, so you do back talent long-term. But I just think there'll be people that would pay more for him than I'd be willing to pay, um, just based on the... I don't believe these numbers are sustainable over the long-term. Um, yeah. how, how about you on the class uh, last year? Uh, yeah, I'd obviously I'd, I'd put Metcalf top. I think I put McLaurin above him as well now. I think, Ooh. I think yeah, I'm I'm really starting to to uh, get on that hype with uh, McLaurin. So yeah, I think I put Brown as as my third out of the 2019 class. But I still think he's a, he's a great talent, as you say. Is at the time he was my wide receiver two out of that class. Yeah. After like so I had Harry one so <laughs> take that as you will but but yeah I, I was a big believer in his talent and um, he has impressed as you say it is, it is concerning with the it is it can be a boom bust kind of with the with the the receptions and and his his, his production but I, I think I'd I'd still be trying to inquire at getting him it, it all plays down obviously to uh, to his owners um and their opinion of them, if they've drafted him and they drafted him early in that rookie rookie draft, then that's always a bit a bit tougher to to get a guy from somebody that's that's drafted him. So yeah, I think I'd still be inquiring, but obviously the price is going to have jumped after the after these games. So yeah, yeah I think one. I think looking at the upcoming schedule, he's got a couple of tough games. He got the Colts twice and the Ravens. So mm. if Brown's someone that you like, I'd be I'd be maybe. Hanging off till after week twelve to buy him unless there's your trade deadline. He has got a really mm-hmm. nice couple of weeks after that. Um, and just I'll make a quick point. Nikhil Harry, he was my wide receiver one as well, and he's now. <laughs> it was just me then. But <laughs> he's, he's probably about my wide receiver twenty from that class. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there was only eighteen drafted. <laughs> I'll never get over taking him over Josh Jacobs. That's, that's going to haunt me till the day I die. <laughs> Okay, next up we've got the Lions at the Vikings. The the Vikings come out on top in this one, 34 to 20. Um, what can we say? Another outstanding performance by Dalvin Cook, rushing for over 200 yards and totaling 39.2 fantasy points this week. 
Also a touchdown double from sleeper tight end of Smith, who we highlighted a few shows ago. Um, Matt Stafford left the game through concussion uh, with his backup Chase Daniel hooking up. For a tight end with the guy I want to discuss now, uh, TJ Ockenson uh, on a touchdown in that game. Ockenson's the tight end three on the season. He's been super consistent. Uh, no game under 9.3 fantasy points, uh, which is fantastic for such a volatile position at tight end. And he's still only 23 years old. Uh, generally, you see that the tight end peak years are between 26 to 28, so he's got massive upside. There's also the fact that Marvin Jones will be 31 in the offseason and also a free agent, and there's a massive chance that Matt Patricia is fired. Um, I see both of these as pluses for Hawkinson's long-term fantasy outlook. Um, me, personally, I've moved him ahead of Mark Andrews in Dynasty. He's now my tight end three. What are your thoughts on that? Um, where are you on TJ Hawkins' season? Well, without wanting to sound like I agree with you on everything, I absolutely love that, that shout of yes. uh, tight end three. Yeah, what can you say is it looks fantastic this season. We always, we always like you, you mentioned, Titans take a while to, to produce, but it's his second season and he's looking brilliant. I, I did worry maybe because he made, he made a good start and that was when Galladay was obviously hurt. I did, that did cross my mind, was he, was he going to lose um, that kind of usage when Galladay was in? But looking at the stats, not really. It, it, He's not dropped on, on his wrist on his targets. They're always consistently around the five, six, seven mark. Um and yeah, he's, he's been he's been utilized in the in the end zone. He's becoming a target for, for Stafford in the end zone. So he's he's getting those touchdowns, which is always what you what you're looking for in such a volatile position, as you say. So yeah, I think tight end three is perfectly fine. I think I don't know with the way that Andrews has been utilised this season, I think you've got to move it, move Andrews down. Um, I know Fritch was here, he'd be banging the drum for Andrews. I know Rich is a big fan of Mark Andrews and he mentioned last week that he'd be the target Andrews in, in Dynasty. But yeah, Titan 3, I'm on more for it. Yeah, I think just, that, just, just briefly on Mark Andrews, he's kind of a, he's a guy that sort of everybody liked before the season everybody wanted to to get involved but the way the the season's panned out it's it's very apparent that Mark Andrews is a catfish next up we've got the Panthers at the Chiefs yeah so the Chiefs winning this one 33 to 31 it was a real end to end game so after that abysmal game I had to talk about earlier with the Titans and I'll get a, a real fun one uh, the Panthers Put up a great effort, didn't they? They've, they've actually yeah. really surprised me how, how impressive they've been this season. Uh, I were expecting them to be right down at the bottom of the pile, but they've looked, they've looked really good, especially on offense. They've, they've looked really, really impressive. Uh, Bridgewater again looking good, and he is now the quarterback 11, so he's been a, a great pickup if, if you've managed to grab him in the, the Superflex leagues. Uh, but the, the guy I want to talk about is DJ Moore. Where do we start with DJ Moore? <laughs> wow, he, oh, he's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, in a game where Bridgewater were throwing the ball plenty, he had 36 completions, DJ Moore had two receptions for 18 yards. It's just becoming so frustrating if you're the, the DJ Moore owner. 
Uh, Robbie Anderson and uh, Kate Samuel both had nine receptions in this game, so DJ Moore was a, an afterthought in this one. It's, it's just becoming, as I say, so frustrating for the owners because everybody's expecting this offseason that DJ Moore is going to be the top guy in this offence. We were, we were all excited about how this offence was going to play out with uh, Joe Brady and Matt Rule. Um, but he's just, he's been such a disappointment. And now Curtis Samuel looks to, to have taken that, yeah. that second option in the, in the passing game. Uh, but yeah, as I say, this off-season, everybody was, was so high on DJ Moyes, a real off-season darling. And it was, it was being touted as like a top five dynasty wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was loving the fact, obviously, he's still only 23. And as I say, with, with the offense that he's on, but he's really struggling. So what's your feelings on DJ Moore? Is he now maybe somebody that you're targeting, obviously with, with people becoming concerned with the fact that he's, he's not getting that usage that we all hope to get? I, I'm concerned, to be honest. Mm. Um, I don't think for me, he is a buy low target right now. Um, I went, went on a, it's, it's quite interesting. I went on a, podcast in the summer uh, dynasty island podcast um and the, the pod I went on in that we discussed cornerstone players who you'd want to build your dynasty around mm-hmm. and, and I, I picked out dj moore as someone that's young and he's going to be a great fit for the matt rule offense and um all, all these positives for him but I, i'm pretty worried i think he's he's becoming a bit overrated for me the fact that before the season, we had him as a potential top five dynasty wide receiver. And his highest finish uh, was a wide receiver 16 in 2019. And he's, he's currently on pace to be wide receiver 20 this season. Uh, I'd have expected him to be putting up better numbers of this, especially with Christian McCaffrey missing time as well. Yeah. Um, the fact that Anderson's flashed and Curtis Samuel's flashed, he's it, it, He's pretty worrying. He's, he's, I mean, just looking at his numbers, he's had, he's had a couple of games up with at least twenty points. Um, and for for what you'd have to pay to get him, you you want someone that's doing that several times a season. Uh, it's, in terms of dynasty rankings, I'd probably have him outside wide receiver one now. I think he'd be outside my top twelve. Uh, only yeah. just, but it's been a big drop for me. I, I'd have to. I'd have to see more from him to move him back up, to be honest. And no pun intended uh, that I need to see more from him. But, um, yeah, he's fallen outside of the uh, definite top 10, but maybe maybe even uh, top 12. Uh, is, he, is he someone you're looking to go after? I think I would still be, be looking to get him. I just think because his value's taken such a dive, I think he is somebody that I'd be, I'd be looking to get, but I wouldn't be expecting too much this season. And then be hoping that next season he can maybe take that next step. The, the, the issue is that DJ Moore's never been a big touchdown guy. He's never, I mean, his rookie season, he had two touchdowns. Last season, he had four. He's always been someone that's relied on, on that usage and, and, the, and the receptions. But as we say, this season, it is averaging around three, four receptions a game. And that's just, it's just not going to cut it as he's not getting those touchdowns. He's, he's never been a, big touchdown guy so that is the one concern for me but I would like to think that, that going into next season he could maybe take that step I'm not sure the situation with Samuel is his contract yeah, this yeah. season so 
there's that there's that possibility that Samuel could move on and then there's a there's a shot for for more to get more involved. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so still a target for me, but only I think only if if the owner has has dropped that price with with how he's been performing. Yeah, I, I'd I wouldn't be hundred percent out, but I think I I just think that. Um, the, the prices that you'd have to pay for him, still being young and still being on a, a rookie deal, probably a little bit too too sweet for me. And only other thing, similar I, to sorry, I was going to say it's very similar to to Juju, obviously with yeah with this situation. Obviously, we know he's a young a young guy, and everyone was touting him as a top three wide receiver uh, going into last season, and then a disappointing season um, put into that. Yeah, the the only thing I was going to add on this game is that, that Teddy Bridgewater torpedo we did through the air. That, that was fantastic. I, yeah, I enjoyed love that. that. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up we've got the Seahawks at the Bills. Uh, battle of two MVP candidates in Josh Allen and Russell Wilson with the Bills coming out on top in this one. Um, to be honest, Josh Allen, he was pretty awesome. Uh, three passing touchdowns, one rushing. Um, and it was his alpha wide receiver that stood out for me, Stefan Diggs. Uh, I've got to hold my hand up here. I, like many others, whiffed on Diggs' fantasy value in Dynasty startups this offseason. Um, add him around wide receiver 20 to 25, that sort of range. He's currently the wide receiver four on the season and he's on course for the best fantasy uh, year of his career so far. Um, the move to Buffalo, it's been great for Josh Allen. But vice versa, it's been a great move for Diggs as he's now become uh, the clear number one receiver and obviously wide receiver falls pretty pretty fantastic. Um, he leads the NFL in targets with 91, which is an average of over 10 targets a game. That was a shock to find out that he's actually the target leader. Um, so he's 26 years old uh, and he's entering his prime, you'd say, uh, for a wide receiver, plus he's tied to an ascending QB in Josh Allen. Um, would you say Stefan Diggs is a top 10 dynasty wide receiver? I think he has to be, doesn't he? I think you've yeah. got to put him in that top 10. As you say, he's, he's tied to a quarterback who is this Allen's third season now, so he should at least get two more years with Allen and, and Allen's looked fantastic this season. We mentioned it last week on the on the podcast that it, Allen does still have those those slight concerns with with his um, his accuracy, but he's he's stepped up on on last season tenfold. So I think you've, yeah, as I say, you've, you've got to put him. I think in that top ten, the, the the targets he's getting is is unbelievable. As you mentioned earlier, I think a lot of us was quite low on digs because we were all worried that it were going to be a, a run first offense. We thought Allen, obviously, we know he likes to run the ball, and they drafted uh, Zach Moss as well. So. Yeah. All, all the signs were pointing towards this being a, more of a, a running offence. But, yeah, Diggs has been fantastic. He's, he's getting the, the targets and he's, he's producing with those targets. Yeah, I think the thing I like about Diggs as well is that he's got such a, a great flaw. Um, he's, he's, his lowest game this season, he had, he's got 10.8 fantasy points, which to know that you're going to be essentially guaranteeing 10 points in your lineup. Mm-hmm. I really like that, and also the fact that he's he's the wide receiver four, and he's only got three touchdowns. So, yeah. um, I mean, over his career, he's not been a he's not been a huge touchdown scorer. But if he could maybe get up to nine or ten, he's going to be 
easily a top five wide receiver this season. And yeah. like like we said, he's he's young. He's tied to a, a young ascending quarterback. I mean, if if we just go back a little bit and compare him to DJ Moore, I'd be I'd be <laughs> smashing digs over over DJ Moore for sure. Yeah, definitely. Right then. So next up, we've got the Broncos at the Falcons. Yeah, so the Falcons taking this one 34 to 27, uh, another shootout. Uh, the Falcons threatened another fourth quarter collapse, but this time they managed to, to cling on to, to the victory. Jerry Judy for, uh, for the Broncos, it was his breakout game, wasn't it? It, uh, yeah. it caused all kinds of trouble for that Falcons defence. 14 targets, seven receptions, 125 yards, and a touchdown. So, really impressive. But the guy that I'd like to talk about is Todd Gurley. Whoa. I've been waiting for this one, Kev. You know that I was a, a big fan of <laughs> a big fan of Gurley coming into this season, and uh, I've done my best to to not to not mention him too much. But it's been a let's say uh, it wasn't. It's not been pretty, but he's currently the RB six, so he is producing, uh, and he's now got nine touchdowns through the first nine games, all on the ground. Averaging 65 yards a game, so nothing nothing spectacular. But as I say, is is just consistently getting you those points. Um, we never expected him to be anything like he was with the Rams and in that 2017 2018 period, yeah, where yeah. He, was, he looked like a will beater. We all know the uh, the issues with the knee, but he's getting that he's getting a solid workload, which I think we all hoped he would get signing that one year deal. We all. As fantasy owners, we're all hoping that, that the Falcons were just gonna gonna run Gailey into the ground basically, and and just just keep pounding it with with Gailey. Uh, and he's got a, quite a nice schedule coming as well. He's, he's he's got two two games against the Saints, I believe. But apart from that, yeah. it, it, they're looking like really favourable matchups. So, what what are you feeling on Gailey, Kev? Do you do you think that drop off's coming? We all know it's it, it can't it. it, it it could happen any time with that knee. We're we're all worried about the knee, and and every game you, as an owner, you're thinking, I hope this isn't that week where uh, he has a problem with it with his knee. Uh, if you're a contender, are you, are you targeting him with even with that risk, or are you just wanting to to stay away? I mean. It... <laughs> First of all, I have to applaud you for for getting <laughs> so far into the season without actually oh, mentioning Todd Gurley. Um, <laughs> like, it's uh, because he hasn't looked great. That's why. I mean, <laughs> if he were blowing the doors off, I'd be I'd be saying it every week. But you're like the uh, president of the Todd Gurley fan club. Um, <laughs> so first of all, well done to you on, on that. Um, you're absolutely right. It's it's not been pretty. I think he is a touchdown dependent running back with the. The sort of the, the pass usage it's inconsistent as such. Uh, he has got nine touchdowns on the on the season, which it's really really helped save um, his fantasy season. But we we know he's always been an elite touchdown scorer, so I don't yeah. think it's been a shock that he's done that. And you have mentioned that that schedule is really nice, apart from the two Saints games. Yeah, I think for me. Um, <laughs> I just think you'll have to ride him into the ground because I don't think you're going to get what he's probably worth in in terms of short-term value. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually think because of the injury concern and that he has become touchdown dependent, despite actually delivering um, 
I don't think you'd get much interest in Curly, um, apart from yourself, who's a big fan. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think if you've got him, you're probably going to have to keep him. Uh, and if you haven't got him, you're probably happy not to have him because you've probably not got a great great perception of him. Um, so just going on what you've said about, obviously the owners are going to be concerned with that injury. Does that make him a, a good target if, you, if you're contending? Because... I can say if the owners are panicking about that injury and, the, and maybe they're not contending, I think you could you could get him for a lot cheaper than what his actual production is. I think. Yeah, I I do think that if he is on a team where the the owner is is a bit worried about his injuries etc., then he is a potential to to get on the cheap as such. Mm-hmm. I think the concern for me is. I don't know if that interest would be there. Um, it's, this is going to sound daft, but maybe the casual players would be more likely to go after him, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at his numbers. Uh, he's averaged, I know yards per carry don't mean anything really, but he's averaging below three yards per carry on the last four games and three of those are pretty, pretty easy matchups. I think he's... He's pretty much done, and it's been the touchdowns that's pulling him along. And I know that's gonna hurt your feelings, Matt. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I think if you've got him and you've got any concerns, by all means, I'd, I'd try and get out at a fair price. But I'm not sure you'd get it. I think you you might be stuck. Yeah, I'm fine being stuck with him. I'm, <laughs> I'm fine just keeping on doing in all the leagues that I've got him. I'm, I'm riding him, riding him all the way. I'll go down with him. <laughs> Okay, and then next up we've got the um, the Las Vegas Raiders at the Los Angeles Chargers. Got my nearly got my words mixed up. Then <laughs> um, the the Raiders edged out the Chargers, who lose another close game. It's something that's sadly in their DNA. Um, Chargers wide receiver Keenan Alamos, once again awesome. Uh, his first straight uh, twenty point fantasy game. And Josh Jacobs, the Raiders running back, scored his first touchdown in almost a month, making it his sixth of the season. Uh, now Jacobs is the RB10 on the year, uh, and I think he's been slightly disappointing so far, despite that um, that output. I think outside of the bloke week, uh, the first game of the season against the Panthers, and a double touchdown against the Chiefs, uh, his, his ceiling's been 13.8 fantasy points. Uh, my, my big concerns with Jacobs before the year were his durability and his pass game usage. So, first off, he's been super durable. That, that's completely been boxed off. He's he's averaging 25 touches a game, so that durability is held out so far. Um, but the concerns with pass usage are still there for me. Um, he's on course for 38 receptions, and he's only had one catch in the last two weeks. And it's got me wondering about Jacobs, thinking, will he become... Derek Henry type asset where it's a guy that's touchdown dependent, not much usage in the pass game, and someone that's potentially more risky in your lineup because he could give you those weeks with four or five points potentially in, in a bad uh, game script. So I guess what I wanted to hear your take on is uh, these concerns regarding the pass usage and the floor ceiling combo. Is he is Jacob someone you'd look to go after in Dynasty with a potential um, tarnished view of him. Yeah, it's, we spoke about it a lot in the off season. It's, it's it is tough with Jacobs, as you mentioned, with the with the 
the past few seasons, it's, it's always been a concern and it is not, he's not really turned it around. I think everyone were taking early victory laps at week one when he had yeah. four receptions for 46 yards. But since then, he's getting a, f- a couple of targets, but not really turning it into much. Nothing that, that's going to help you in fantasy anyway. So, yeah, it's, it's tough for Jacobs because he is young. Obviously, it's only his, his, his second season. And uh, yeah. they are yeah. the kind of guys that I tend to gravitate towards, the, the younger <laughs> yeah. the younger running backs. Obviously, we know they've got that job security as long as they don't completely completely flop. They, they've got that contract locked down. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really tough for Jacobs. I think I would move him on. But only if I could get somebody that I, f- I felt I was more comfortable with that that gets more involved in in the passing game. So somebody mentioned earlier, obviously I'm a, a big fan of Gibson. I yeah. think if I think you'd easily be able to to get Gibson plus a piece for for Jacobs. I think I think the community as a, a whole is is fairly high on Jacobs. He was I think he was going end of the first, maybe start of the second in a lot of drafts. Um, at the start of the season, so I don't think many owners have completely turned off of him. So I think if I could make a move like that and grab somebody like Gibson or maybe Taylor, obviously we, we know the the struggles that Taylor's <laughs> had, but if yeah. if I'm I'm still backing that talent, I think I'm, I'm still yeah. I think if I can if I can move Jacobs one like that, I'm, I'm doing it in a heartbeat. Yeah, I guess. Uh... I guess one thing, I'll, one last point I'll, I'll throw out to you just as a, to get a gauge on things is um, you mentioned potentially flipping Jacobs for uh, another running back. Who would you have in Jacobs or Miles Sanders? <laughs> things like deja vu, this, I'm sure I've had this question before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we spoke about it in the off-season uh, when I guessed on, on, the, on the podcast. I said Sanders at the time and I, I think I've still got to stick with Sanders, but yes. I am... I am still. I think I am lower on them both now as a whole. I think I've, I'm, I've, I've, I've lowered my my, uh, my feelings on Sanders as well as as Jacobs. Obviously, with the the injuries with Sanders, is a slight concern for me. And the only thing that, and it was the same reason in the off season why I preferred Sanders. We know Sanders is going to get more looks in the passing game. Yeah. So obviously, especially in, in PPR leagues, um, yeah, I'm, I'm still taking Sanders over over Jacobs. Me too. I'm just really happy that as an Eagles fan, I've managed to discuss Eagles on a, a game on a bye on a game <laughs> on the when, week, when they've uh, had a bye week. Got so me. I'm, I'm Cast very, that rod out and I bit, I bit. <laughs> very, very impressed with myself there. Um, speaking of impressive, um, the great fight, great fight up in this next game. You, you're going to discuss the uh, Steelers at the Cowboys. Yeah, so the Steelers took this one, twenty-four to nineteen, but. In fairness, Dallas put up a great fight, didn't they? Obviously, yeah, yeah. a lot of people thought this was just going to be an absolute demolition job by by the Steelers, but it ended up being quite a tense finish in the end. Uh, Dallas obviously managed to drive the ball down the field in those last minutes, but uh, Gilbert couldn't quite get it get it done against the, the Steelers' defense, and now the Steelers remain unbeaten. Um, but the guy I want to, to touch on is Eric Ebron, the tight end. Ooh. Yeah, he had uh, a quiet game, only three receptions, 22 yards, but he did score that touchdown and he's now the tight end 15. So nothing spectacular. Um, 
but in such a, as we mentioned earlier with Hoxham, it's a, quite a volatile position. And is you'd say would you say the fourth option in this offense behind the, the three wide receivers, uh, in Clayton, yeah, yeah, you could say and, that. and Johnson maybe the, the fourth option. But he's still averaging over five targets a game, so he's, he's still getting a nice uh, amount of involvement in in the passing game. And I think that's key when it comes to tight ends. Obviously, we know how much of a, a mess the position can be. So when you know a guy is getting five, six targets a game, seven targets a game, then that's something you definitely want to gravitate towards. And the big selling point for me with uh, Ebron is the remaining schedule. He's got the Bengals twice, Jacksonville, Washington, Buffalo, all really weak against the tight end position. So it's looking like he's, he's in line for a, a great run um, going towards the end of the season. If you're, if you're uh, competing, then I think yeah. he's definitely a guy that I'm, I'm targeting. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Ebron? Is he somebody that you'd pick up as a, as a depth piece at, at the tight end position? You, you might not know this, Matt, but um, mm. I absolutely hate Eric Ebron. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I used to be the uh, president of the Jack Doyle fan club back in the day. Oh, um, right. Yeah, bit, indeed, yeah. bit before he, he turned out to be... Um, basically like a, a dad runner just really poor <laughs> poor tight end um, right, well I'm definitely interested to see what your, uh, your opinion <laughs> on him is now yeah I just think he's, he's not the type of tight end I'd be looking to go after in in Dynasty I, I tend to tend to target young tight ends that have yet mm-hmm. to sort of reach the potential um, I, don't, I just think tight end it's a position which I've I've been bit a little bit by um, sort of going after spending decent decent capital on before because um, you can usually find sort of players on the waivers that can potentially fill in for a little bit or break yeah. out. Um, for example, last season in a dynasty league, I managed to pick up a Gasicki and a Higby, uh, both as as free agents um, yeah. in a dynasty league. So paying up for a tight end, if I was to do it, I'd I'd want it to be somebody a bit younger because we know with Ebron, he's had that one big season where he was a top six tight end um, when Jack Doyle was unfortunately injured. Uh, <laughs> um, but but yeah, I just I just think for me, he's he's never going to get back there. Um, and despite him being sort of a steady piece for the next couple of years in, in Pittsburgh, I, it's not the right type of player for me being. That's pretty polite, actually, of me. Yeah, Consid- yeah. Considering yeah, I hate Eric Ebron, a complete <laughs> shoot down. It's a good job, Rich in here, because he definitely shot me down for that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, feel- yeah, you make a great point, to be honest. As you say, with the with the waiver targets, you can at tight end with it being such a volatile position, you can pick up those guys. For example, like this season with Jordan Reed, or um, I don't know. There's, there's got to be more tight ends that are, that are on the waivers, but. Yeah, I thought you'd make a great point with that. Yeah, it's um, it, obviously Eric Ebron. He's 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 a decent guy, but um, yeah, I I guess the only way I'd, I'd probably take him is if he was a throwing piece as part of a bigger trade. Mm. But um, I wouldn't wake up thinking, you know what, it's going to be an Eric Ebron trade day for me. Um, <laughs> okay, so next up we've got the. Uh, We've got the battle of the 
future fantasy QB ones from the previous two draft classes. Uh, Kyler Murray against Tua Tungavailoa. It was the Dolphins winning on the road at the Cardinals 34 to 31. Um, obviously, Tua is a future Hall of Famer and he's now Tua and O in the NFL. Hey, hey come on! <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the the Miami QB was really impressive in this one. Um, but it's it's the opposite number that uh, was the standout performance again for me. Kyler Murray, um, the QB one on the season again, solid as a passer and superb as a runner. Uh, the definition of the Konami Co QB. Um, it, it feels like a cheat to to have him on your team at times. Um, just. I actually think he's more impressive a runner than Lamar Jackson last season. He just doesn't do it as often. Um, really bright future, obviously. He's got the the great wide receiver duo of New Hopkins and Christian Kirk uh, for at least the next couple of seasons. Um, yet another sophomore QB with uh, that massive uh, boom in the second season, much like uh, Patrick Mahomes did and then Lamar Jackson did, uh, and now Kyle of this season. Um, want to get your take on Kyler Murray just to get your thoughts on if you think it's fair to include him in the discussion as the overall QB1 uh, alongside Pat Mahomes yeah I don't think you could I think yeah I think you have to include him as uh, potentially being in that conversation of uh, QB1 we did we did mention it last week didn't we when we were talking about Lamar Jackson uh, I think still for me it is Mahomes one and then it's it's more of a, a group of, of a few more quarterbacks behind him but I think as I say the way that, that Murray's performing I think he is starting to now at least top that, that group if not push towards being in the conversation with Mahomes um, as you mentioned he's a great runner uh, like Jackson but where Jackson fails in the passing game Murray's fantastic at that yeah. he's, he's a real dual quarterback he's um, fantastic at both both sides of the game so when it comes to fantasy we all we, we mentioned as I say last week we all love those those rushing quarterbacks and Murray's one of the best as you mentioned he's, he's just as good if not better than Lamar Jackson at running it so yeah I, I can definitely get behind him being involved in that in that talk as a as DQB one with um, sort of with him, with last season, Lamar Jackson obviously was outstanding and had that massive season, and he's regressed back um, this year. Would you have similar concerns that Murray could potentially be the QB one this season, and then go back uh, to sort of QB eight and nine, or, or do you think that with the weapons he's got and with the the way he's performing in the past game, he'll actually hold his value and be a less volatile asset than Jackson? Yeah. Yeah, I think with that, as as I mentioned, because we know it is also good at being a passer as well. He's not just a, a runner. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not slamming Jackson and say he can't throw the ball, but <laughs> but it's obvious that that Murray's is far superior at throwing it. Murray's had he's had two games this season over 300 yards, and I think I mentioned last week that Jackson's had one in in all the time that is yeah, yeah. in the NFL. So I think just because of that, that gives him that 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 safer safer floor uh, as regards to if he if he might drop off next next season and and the offense is, is it's built around not just his, his ability to rush it it's also a it's a real high tempo offense so you know that 
Um, he's going to get a lot of chances. He's going to get on the field a lot. So, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be worried about him regressing. I, I have to say, I, I was quite a, a big fan of him coming into the season. I was targeting him a lot um, in one league, in the Superflex League. I took him in the, I think it was like the QB3 mid-round in the first round. So, wow. I was, yeah, I was really confident that he was just based on the fact that we know he can run the ball. And, and to be honest, he's, he's probably been better as a runner this season than I thought he, he would be. So, so yeah, he's, he's really... But the, the concern with uh, Murray is that he's, he's not the biggest of quarterbacks. Is he is he's quite... He's yeah, 5'10". <laughs> yeah, 5'10", and he's only got a small frame. So that does always concern me when you see him scooting down the, down the sideline. I do always worry about that one big hit, but... He's too quick from anywhere. He just gets away. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm fully behind Murray. I think it's pretty hilarious that um, for, for me, one of my biggest concerns from this off season was would he go to baseball? And that that looks completely <laughs> stupid now. Yeah, the fact there was rumours on the book that just looks daft. The fact that he's doing that so good. he could probably he could probably do his NFL uh, NFL career and then just go and smash it up at baseball as well. Yeah, he'd have a better career than Michael Jordan at baseball. I know that. <laughs> um, I, I guess last thing for me on Murray is uh, that, that he's got a floor of 22 fantasy points a game, which is <laughs> outstanding. Yeah, enough, yeah. um, I'm going to make a prediction, actually. I think Kyler Murray will be um, a top three pick in Dynasty Stouts at Superflex next off-season. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me at all. Boom. Right, next up we've got the Saints at the Bucks. Yeah, absolute blowout win for the Saints. Uh, Buccaneers, what I mean, what happened there? I mean, <laughs> I thought this was going to be, a, I thought it was going to be a good game, but yeah, it just turned out to be an absolute demolition job by the Saints, uh, thirty-eight to three. And I think that three come right at the end, didn't it? In the fourth quarter, yeah. they just didn't want to get that donut, so they, <laughs> they kicked the field goal. Brady struggling, three interceptions. Uh, but the the topic I want to talk about it's not just a player specific this time. It's uh, the whole Buccaneers backfield as a as a whole. Uh, <laughs> I had to mention it because obviously I know that you were a big Rojo fan coming into the year, so I thought I'd just rub it in your face a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Jones. Uh, it, it looks like he's he's losing that that weight load, doesn't he? Now to to Fournette. I think every week is. His snap shares uh, dropping and Fournette is increasing. Uh, Jones only had 10 carries in the last two games for 32 yards and then seven receptions for 32 yards. Fournette, one carry um, this week, but for that he had 15 for 52 the week before and nine receptions <clears throat> in his last two games for 60 yards. So I think he is now looking like he's taking over that role, don't you think? Um, don't you think, Kev? Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I, I think. Um, I know you hate you hate it, don't you? Oh, it's just. It's, <laughs> I'm sorry, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just it's just so hard. Isn't it? I mean, just looking back at the game, though, four they had four carries, which is yeah, which is hilarious. Um, I I don't know. I guess I, it's fair to say that Fournette's going to be the pass catching back. Um, yeah. Ronald Jones has dabbled in a bit, but we know that's not his his strong suit. No. Um, yeah, I think rest of the season it's going to be. It's looking like it's going to be Fournette. Um, I, I, I do think there's a bit of hope that in plus game scripts where they're getting a lead that 
there is a chance that Ronald Jones could see more playing time as he's been. Uh, I think he's been pretty impressive as a runner this season, yeah. despite some of the fantasy uh, concerns the past few weeks. I think he's looked really, really, really decent um, as a runner. Yeah, it looked um, good when when Fournette missed that time with, with the injury. Yeah, I thought. Well, I think we spoke about it didn't we, on the on the podcast that that Rojo looked he looked terrific, but it's just a shame to see that he's losing out on the, on that workload with, with Fournette. I think the concern is that he had them three. Yeah, he had them three big games where he had over hundred yards. Did Ronald Jones? Yeah. Then as soon as Fournette's back. It, it went straight back to him it seems mm-hmm. yeah. or, or pretty much straight away which I think it's pretty concerning for him um, I, I'm i a big Rojo fan before the season but I, I do have to give a bit of a disclaimer that it, it wasn't necessarily about him as a talent as such it was yeah, more it was from the situation the, yeah the fact that yeah. I was lower on Keyshawn Vaughan and I just felt that Ronald Jones was a lot better prospect than Keyshawn Vaughan. Um, the Fonette move, yeah, that, it was a bit of a shock. And um, I thought initially, oh, he's, Ronald Jones has he's got away with it here. He's got the upper hand on Fonette. But um, I know a few shows back, I did caution that maybe it is a time to sell high on Jones. So I'm hoping <laughs> that um, you did move him along when you could because it's not looking a, a fantastic outlook for him. In the field, despite him looking decent as a an actual real life player as a runner, um, I'd rather have fun at rest of the season. Yeah. So, saying that for the rest of the season, what's your your view on Rojo beyond this season and from a, a dynasty point of view? Is it is he still somebody that you you like long term, or because obviously we know Fournette it's only a one year deal. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think. I think just thinking about his career, he's he's changed sort of what he is as a runner. He came in as a sort of um, I don't know what he came in as. Some some he's bulked up massively as it to become sort of a power back, um, more of an in between the the tackles runner. I think he'll stick around in the NFL for a while, but I just I'm really uncertain on if he'll get another shot at a starting job. I think he's more likely to be in a in a split backfield and. If you're in a split backfield, you, in in fantasy, you really want the pass catching back as opposed to the early down back. So, yeah. um, it, what, it does pay me to say it, but I have cooled a lot on Rojo. <laughs> no, to be fair, you did convince me in the off season with, with, with how much you were hyping him. I did take him in a few weeks. <laughs> it was it was a good value, though, weren't it? it was, yeah, that was the thing. It was a good value considering the the uh, the situation that he had. But then obviously Fournette come along and and ruined all that. Um, just touching on the the draft then for next year, do you think the Buccaneers are going to be one of those hot hot landing spots that we're we're all hoping one of the top guys lands on? <laughs> oh, it's it's tricky, isn't it? Because we thought it was going to be Ronald Jones, then we thought it was going to be Vaughn, then we then it's Fournette. Um, you can't really trust Arians, can you? Those talk of uh, Darry Ogunbowale being a, a, <laughs> a breakout as well, so. I think they'll definitely add someone. Uh, you've got to think Fonet's out of contract as well, so um, they'll definitely get someone in, but it's, it's, it's who, really. Maybe Rojo gets another shot next season, if we're lucky. It'd be lucky for me, because he's on every Dynasty team I've got. <laughs> okay, so um, 
Obviously, we'll we'll move on now because I'm I'm upset after Rojo. Yeah, sorry uh, about that. It's <laughs> all right. I'm happy after me bangers and mash early, so <laughs> we'll balance it out. Um, the final game of the of the week, uh, the Patriots won on the road at the Jets, thirty twenty seven. Uh, the Jets ran a mightily close in this one, losing on the last second field goal. Really spirited performance from the Joe Flacco led Jets. Um, Jacoby Myers and Cam Newton were the standouts from the Patriots, uh, but it's actually a guy that didn't play that I want to highlight, uh, Sam Darnold. Um, the reason I wanted to talk about Darnold, it, it just triggered a memory, uh, this fixture, uh, the 2019 fixture of it, the Monday Night Football ghost gate where Darnold was caught on mic saying that he's seeing ghosts in relation to um, having trouble reading the Patriots defence. Yeah. Um, I did actually write up this bit of the show sheet last night before Monday Night Football, and I put Jets 0-9 record on the season, brackets tempting fate. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I, I nearly did do, a, I nearly caused them to actually. Yeah, it rolled down to you that one, <laughs> I know, ju- just me, <laughs> not Brashard Perryman or anything like that. Um, and, and obviously the Jets now are in a prime spot to get the number one overall pick, which will be used on Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, if Lawrence doesn't commit, you'd you think. Um, it's pretty much guaranteed that Darnell will be gone via trade this off-season. So, um, I, it, a fun question for you, actually, Matt. Um, which realistic team would you like to see Sam Darnell move to from a fantasy point of view? And is he a clear buy-low for you, for you um, if you're a rebuilding dynasty team? Yeah, I think touching on the... Uh, with him getting... Traded, I, I think it's it's inevitable into that he's going to get traded. Yeah, um, they they're going to get that one pick and, and they've got to use it on a quarterback. They've got to so teams, realistic teams. I think teams like the Steelers. I think that's a, quite a popular one. Ooh, okay, with Ben. I think a lot of people had um, had mentioned that one. Uh, Indy as well uh, with the Colts. Obviously, we know Rivers. Yeah. We mentioned him earlier. Uh, Struggling, but they're the two teams that are obviously um, the Steelers. There, they're going to have quite a high pick. So, in fact, did they even slap their pick? Did they trade that for Minka Fitzpatrick? Well, I'm not, I'm not sure on that yeah. one. But either way, they're not yeah. going to be. They're not going to be in any chance of getting a, a quarterback in this draft, are they? So, yeah, I think that that they them two would make sense for me as as teams to target him, and I think he would be a good target for teams like that. I'm, I do believe in his talent. I just think it's the, the situation. Obviously, stuck with Adam Gase, and uh, just the Jets are they're completely depleted of talent. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still a fan of, of Darnold's as a, as a as a player. Um, and I think, yeah, if if I'm if I'm rebuilding in, in a super flex league, I think I think he's definitely somebody you could target because he's he's not producing for for the owners at the minute. Um, I think I've had an offer in one league already, um, trying to get a, a quarterback from me, and they've offered me Donald. And I don't hate the idea of taking yeah. him. It's just, it's just always for me. I'm, I'm always a bit of a cautious fantasy player, so I do worry about where he could end up. Uh, yeah, is he yeah. going to be the guy that gets targeted? There's, there's other quarterbacks that, um, that are going to be free agents at the end of this year, so that is always a concern for mine. You can't, you can't. Um, make a prediction and say, oh, Donald's going to end up at the Steelers. It has to happen, so I'm, I'm going to get him. Um, but yeah, I think if you can get him uh, cheap in, in those super flakes leagues, I think 
I'd, I'd definitely be taking him. I can't see it playing out like a Josh Rosen kind of yeah. situation where he's going to get he's, he's, he's not going to get any opportunities. Uh, what what do you think? What, have, you, have you got any in mind a, a realistic team he could he could end up on? I think first of all, I'd, I'd love to um, get him in dynasty. Um, I think mm. um, sort of targeting backup quarterbacks that you know are going to get another shot is uh, as a starter. He's a sort of a, a cheap way to sort of potentially get get a first round pick because yeah. um, imagine if you did a trade last season for a I don't know a, a Ryan Tannehill um, yeah. at the start of the season. Uh, you'd definitely be able to get a first rounder for him. Um, yeah, uh, I guess in in terms of of where I'd want him to go, ideally for a fantasy point of view, um, I've heard rumours that the 49ers are looking for a QB. That I think yeah. he'd be pretty decent there. Um, teams like Denver would have a lot of weapons if they're not sold on Drew Locke. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not going to happen, but I'd quite like to. I quite like to see him uh, at the Patriots, just just because I think it'd be quite funny <laughs> to see the rivalry build up over time. But we we know that's not not going to happen. So I'll, I'll say I'll say Forty Niners uh, be ideal for me for him to go there, and um, I, we we know that system's pretty decent. Nick Mullins and Jimmy Garoppolo, the the pop similar numbers in that system, but I do think. Someone like Sam Darnold, he's got that untapped potential that could actually take it a little bit further to the next level yeah. on that team. Yeah. It's, what about the Saints? Do you think, is there any chance that, obviously, we know Breeze is, is getting up there in age. I know they've, they've got Winston and, uh, obviously, Hill as well. Uh, but I, I can't see either of them being a, a, a franchise quarterback, somebody that you, you build your team around. Do you think that's an option? Yeah, with, with the Saints, I'm I'm honestly not sure what's going to happen there. There's talk that Taysom Hill's going to get shot, which is hilarious. <laughs> uh, obviously, we've we've all seen Jameis Winston this week uh, eating the W and doing all his dancing. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I think they're in a bit of salary cap trouble. Yeah, so. I was just going to say that. Yeah, I think they are, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I guess the good thing is Sam Darnold. He's he's on that rookie deal still, so yeah, you're potentially getting him cheaper than if he was. Um, I don't know on the market and he'd been performing um, yeah. but but yeah I think the Saints have to do a bit of manoeuvring to be to be getting him um, on the team especially while they're in a, a win now mode and they've uh, likely not got many assets uh, they'd want to move on to free up space yeah I think he's, he's definitely going to he's going to be leaving into the Jets so yeah, yeah. makes sense to, to target him yeah, once he's gone, the Jets will be seeing Sam Darnold's ghost. <laughs> okay, so on that really poor joke, that brings us to another the end of another episode of the Fantasy Wildcard podcast. Uh, I'd just like to thank the listeners for tuning in. Uh, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Wildcard. Have a good rest of evening. Yep, cheers, guys. Ta-da. When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game.